Hey everyone, welcome back to the Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm the host of this podcast and I want to thank you for joining with me again this week for the weekly message. For these last two months, I've been doing a series of messages called The Resilient Life about how we can bounce back from some of life's most difficult moments. Uh, today, I'm wrapping up this series with a message called Resilient People Train to Go the Distance. And we're talking about the kind of endurance and persistence and perseverance uh, that's needed to develop resiliency in our lives, uh, what that looks like, and what we need to be doing to develop this kind of strength within us. So I invite you to sit back and relax and listen to this week's message, Resilient People Train to go the distance. On May 6, 1954, Roger Bannister did what people thought could never be done. He was the first person in the world to run a mile in under four minutes. He finished in three minutes, 59.4 seconds. It had long been thought that no human being could run that fast. Some people thought trying to run a mile that fast might actually kill you. We found out that it didn't. And doing so unlocked the door about what was possible in track, both physically and psychologically. What many people don't know is that after Roger, Roger Bannister broke the record, it only lasted for 46 days. Then an Australian runner named John Landy ran the mile in 3 minutes 57.9 seconds. Currently, the fastest time set for running the mile is 3 minutes 43.13 seconds almost 17 seconds faster than Roger Bannister's mark. In Neil Bascom's book, The Perfect Mile, he writes about Roger Bannister, John Landy, and Wes Santee, who were all competing in 1954 to become the first person to break the four-minute mile. He wrote this. All three runners endured thousands of hours of training to shape their bodies and minds. They ran more miles in a year than many of us walk in a lifetime. They spent a large part of their youth struggling for breath. They trained week after week to the point of collapse, all to shave off a second, maybe two, during a mile race the time it takes to snap one's fingers and register the sound. There were sleepless nights and training sessions in rain, sleet, snow, and scorching heat. There were times when they wanted to go out for a beer or a date, yet knew they couldn't. They understood that life was somehow different for them, that idle happiness eluded them. If they weren't training or racing or gathering the will required for these efforts, they were trying not to think about training or racing at all. Becoming resilient people involves training. 
It involves a lot of hard work and sacrifice. We live in a world that glorifies success, but doesn't glorify the hard work that it takes to become a success. We marvel at people who make things look so easy without realizing all the hard work it took to make it look easy. Thomas Merton, the Catholic monk, theologian, and author once wrote, no one who simply eats or drinks when he feels like eating or drinking or smokes when he feels the urge to light a cigarette or gratifies his curiosity and sensuality whenever they are stimulated can consider himself a free person. He has renounced his spiritual freedom and become the servant of the bodily impulse. Therefore, his mind and his will are not fully his own. They are under the power of his appetites. Merton was writing about one of the paradoxes of the Christian faith. We are most free when we are under discipline. Many people today believe that freedom means you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. And yet no one is freer than the person whose mind and body and soul have been trained to do just the opposite. Elton Trueblood, the Quaker theologian and author, once wrote, Acceptance of discipline is the price of freedom. The pole vaulter is not free to go over the high bar, except as he disciplines himself rigorously day after day. The freedom of the surgeon to use his drill to cut away the bony structure close to a tiny nerve without severing it arises from a similar discipline. It is doubtful that excellence in any field comes in any other way. Resilience comes from discipline and self-control. This is what the Apostle Peter wrote about in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 15. He said, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. And then in Romans 12, verse 2, the Apostle Paul wrote, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We do not become resilient people by living like couch potatoes. We do not become stronger by sitting in a recliner all day, eating potato chips, and watching TV. The Bible tells us we do need a Sabbath each week. We do need a day of rest to relax and recharge our batteries once every seven days. But what Peter and Paul are writing about in the Bible is that after we have received the grace and mercy of God, we need to do the hard work of preparing our minds and renewing our minds. Instead of being conformed to the world, which says, do whatever feels good, 
indulge yourself and you do you. The Bible says we need to learn self-control. The world says all your feelings are good. The Bible says some of your desires are evil. And part of becoming holy is resisting the sinful pull of our own hearts, resisting the pull of the world, and giving in to the pull of the Holy Spirit who will draw you closer to God. We are caught in the middle of a spiritual tug of war. The world is pulling us this way and God is pulling us that way. The Holy Spirit is like a tractor beam that locks onto us with the centripetal force that will pull you closer to God. But we have to clear out the obstacles that keep getting in the way of being drawn closer into God's orbit. As we clear out the debris through sacrifice, self-discipline, and hard work, we will begin to experience the resilience and endurance and strength of character God is developing within us. Today, we seem to focus more on the glamour of achievement than the grittiness it takes to get there. Jamie Clark first tried to climb Mount Everest in 1991. The team made it as high as 25,000 feet before bad weather forced them to turn back. He tried a second time in 1994, this time making it within 150 meters of the summit before altitude sickness and bad weather forced them to turn back. He tried a third time in 1997, finally making it to the top. In writing about the self-discipline needed to train your body to go beyond what is normal, he said this, when you get yourself in shape for a climb, you spend several hours a day working on an inclined treadmill with a heavy pack on your back. You look goofy. You smell. It's an ugly scene. The road to success is not pretty. In 1 Corinthians 9, 25 to 27, Paul writes, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul is saying that if we want to be strong, resilient Christians, we need to go into strict training. And instead of working towards a temporary reward that won't last very long, we are working for an eternal reward that will last forever. The kind of training we need to engage in, in an ongoing basis, is a course of self-discipline. It is doing the hard work of unlearning bad habits and replacing them with good habits. In the beginning, it feels unnatural, uncomfortable, and hard. 
But over time, we begin to develop new life-giving habits that become ingrained in our hearts and our minds that start to happen automatically. Discipline has been described as intentional suffering. It is the act of insisting that the body, the mind, and the spirit engage in challenges that build up capacity and stamina. This is not a relaxing, leisurely process. Gratification and achievement are often postponed for a long time. The disciplined person does not pursue ways that make him or her popular. It's only after a season of discipline is over and the payoff comes that the world may or may not offer its applause. In Matthew 24, Jesus' disciples ask him what will be the signs of his second coming and of the end of the age. And in verses 4 to 13, Jesus says, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The one who endures to the end will be saved. That is the resiliency we are shooting for. Between now and when Jesus returns, he tells us to be careful because some people are going to deceive you. Don't believe everything you hear. Not everyone in our world is telling you the truth. Many will claim to be working in Jesus' name, but some of them are deceiving other people. Jesus says, even though there will be wars and rumors of wars, don't panic. Don't freak out. Don't be alarmed. Yes, nations will fight against each other. We will have natural disasters. Some of you will be hated because of your faith in Christ. Many will turn away from the faith and turn on each other. People will not love one another, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Jesus is telling us it is possible to be resilient. We can make it to the end. Maybe he said it because he knew some people wouldn't believe it. Maybe he knew some people would doubt their own strength. 
Some people feel overwhelmed by the problems of the world. Some get discouraged and feel like giving up. He is encouraging us that we can withstand the worst the world throws at us. The hatred, the strife, the jealousy, the lying, the personal attacks, the rumors, the wars, the pandemics, the racial tensions, the economic collapse, the societal breakdown, the leadership crisis, all of it. When we believe in Jesus, we can withstand all of it. We can discipline ourselves and train ourselves to stand firm and make it to the end when we will be saved. Nelson Mandela wrote his autobiography and called it The Long Walk to Freedom. In the book, he wrote about spending almost 30 years in prison in South Africa, where he was held with other political prisoners. Some people would not have survived that. I can't imagine spending 30 years of my life in a prison cell. But in the book, he wrote this. The authorities' greatest mistake was keeping us together. For together, our determination was reinforced. We supported each other and gained strength from each other. Whatever we knew, whatever we learned, we shared. And by sharing, we multiplied whatever courage we had individually. That is not to say that we are all alike in our responses to the hardships we suffered. Men have different capacities and react differently to stress. But the stronger ones raised up the weaker ones, and both became stronger in the process. This is what we've been talking about these last two months. This is what the resilient life looks like. This is what the church looks like. We are all being pushed and pulled and stretched and extended. We come together as the church to support each other and gain strength from each other. We are better together. We become stronger together. When one of us is down, someone else is up. And when we are up, we can help others when they are down. We may never run a sub four minute mile like Roger Bannister did, but we all need to be in training. Sacrifice and discipline are not sexy, popular ideas, but they are the lifelong habits and pursuits that will stand the test of time. We become more free when we become more disciplined. It is when we give up the wrong things that we gain the right things. It is when we set aside the things that are holding us back that we can accept the things that will move us forward. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The one who endures to the end will be saved. That can be you. You can be one of those people who endures to the end. 
Jesus can train you how to last, how to keep going when you feel tired, how to have hope when you feel cynical, and how to survive what you think will eat you alive. Even when the world is unraveling, God is doing something new. Even as old habits and ways of functioning are falling by the wayside, new habits are forming and better ways of functioning are coming to light. Even when the world seems stretched beyond its limits, the Holy Spirit can make you more flexible and more adaptable. Resilient people train to go the distance. And that can be you. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.